0: Is it just me or have you noticed too that Halloween seems to be a much bigger deal now than it was a generation or two ago? Is this just corporations realizing that they could make a lot more money off of the holiday or is something more going on? I think there's something more to this, with deep connections to religion and philosophy. And in today's episode, we're gonna explore those connections and we're gonna see how it's all connected to the universal classic monster movies of the 1930s through the 1950s. I didn't betray you. As a kid, I didn't grow up celebrating Halloween. I grew up in a Christian subculture that was deeply concerned about the satanic panic of the 1980s, and they didn't want kids dressing up in ways that seemed dark and demonic. But thankfully, my dad actually didn't grow up as a Christian, and he didn't become a Christian until his adult years. And as a kid, he loved the classic universal monster movies from the 1930s through the 1950s, and he showed them to me as a kid, and I just loved these movies. We're talking Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Mummy, on and on I could go. I loved these eerie black and white movies from that time. And recently I've been revisiting them as I've noticed what appears to be this progressively increasing celebration of Halloween in our culture. And as I've been re-watching these universal classic monster movies, I started noticing what's going on and why our culture wants to be haunted. There are two main religious and philosophical impulses driving our infatuation with Halloween and monsters, the first of which becomes very obvious as you watch Dracula, The Wolfman, and Frankenstein. As the Enlightenment and the Scientific Revolution gave birth to our alleged Age of Reason in the West, we believed we had finally found a comprehensive system to rationally explain everything in the universe. The 19th century saw seismic shifts in geology and biology, most notably Darwin's origin of species. The deism then of the 18th century, which reduced God to being nothing more than the the prime mover or the architect of the universe, who started it all and just watched it like a clock going on its own, eventually gave way to the atheism of the 19th and 20th century, which was rooted in the philosophy of reductive materialism, or some might call it reductive physicalism. Reductive materialism is a view of the world that says all we have is matter and nothing more, just the physical stuff of the universe. The universe is a statistical accident. It's random, mindless, and chaotic, void of any objective purpose. This was Nietzsche's death of God moment at the end of the 19th century. We were all alone. Vestiges of traditional religion still remained. People still went to church in America. But it was becoming harder to believe. Harder to believe that there was anything beyond the scientific worldview of the secular age. As you watch Dracula, The Wolfman, Frankenstein, The Mummy, and more, you can start to see a repeating pattern in these stories. Intelligent doctors and scientists coming up against what appears to be beyond the explanatory power of science. According to the doctors and scientists in this movie, stories of werewolves were nothing more than stories of men who had succumbed psychotically to their their primal, violent nature. In the end, they are shown to be wrong, while the mystic gypsies, the pagans with their Rituals and customs and beliefs from over a thousand years ago are shown to be right about the dark spiritual forces that can transform a man into a beast. Dracula's first on-screen victim, Renfield, is committed to an insane asylum in the movie. The doctors think this man merely has a mental illness. There's no possible chance that this is the early stages of vampirism. Once again, the doctors and the intelligentsia continually dismiss legends of vampires and their dark spiritual powers. It's only the foreign doctor, Dr. Van Helsing, who has not accepted the reductive materialism of the West, who sees Count Dracula for who he truly is, and understands that his power can't be explained within the scientism of their day. Frankenstein's monster is the result of pushing the scientific bounds to their limits and maybe even beyond. What are the limits of what science can do and explain? It seems that something more, perhaps something spiritual, has animated this monster we now call Frankenstein. Does he have consciousness or not? Does he have a soul or not? Is there some spark of the sacred within him? That's the sort of questions that this movie wrestles with. I'm gone now. and heaven help you? The ongoing popularity of these classic monster movies and the increasing popularity of Halloween shows us what the philosopher Charles Taylor called the haunting of the imminent frame. The imminent frame is what we all lived within during the secular age, the secular age of reductive materialism and scientism. Those stories told us that all we have is what is right in front of us, what is imminent. There's nothing more, nothing beyond imminence. There is no transcendence. But interestingly enough, an increasing amount of scientific evidence is pointing to the fact that humans may in fact be a fundamentally spiritual species we are hardwired for religious belief so what do we do with that all of our efforts to be the first civilization in all of human history to be completely irreligious were futile We long to know what should be of ultimate concern, and we're haunted by a sense that there is something more than imminence. There's something that transcends us. We are haunted by the lure and the possibility of the transcendent. We may be afraid of it because it is beyond our explanatory range, but we're intrigued by these monsters. We're intrigued by visions of ghosts and witches and magic and spirits, anything that shows us the possibility of the transcendent, anything that shows us that there are powers and agencies beyond us. We're afraid, but we deeply hope that there's some truth to it too. You'll find in each of these movies that there's always some character in the movie, or characters, who instinctively believe that these monsters and legends have some truth to them and there's enough truth to them for them to pursue. It may even cost them their life. With that pursuit comes the possibility that they might be entrapped by powers beyond them. In most cases, dark powers beyond them. You can see this symbolized in the seductive appeal of Count Dracula. As the West moves from a secular age into a post-secular age, fascinated again, not just with traditional religions, but also with magic, paganism, the occult, psychedelic experiences, this warning... The warning of Count Dracula serves us well. Yes, there are powers that transcend us, but not all of them are for our good. Our fundamental religious appetite should be discerning on what it feasts on for nourishment. The second religious and philosophical impulse driving our fascination with Halloween can be understood through the work of contemporary philosopher Byung-Chul Han. Han has been concerned with the meaning crisis and the mental health crisis in the West and the deeper philosophical forces driving their proliferation. Han has argued that we've transitioned from a disciplinary society to an achievement society. In a disciplinary society, power operates through prohibition and restriction, but in an achievement society, power operates through the imperative of achievement and self-optimization. Because of the internet, social media, and the algorithms, we have a hyper-connected achievement society where we are constantly curing our best selves, and digitally curating networks with those who think and act like us, on our constant mission to achieve more and to optimize our lives. As a result, we have a lower tolerance for what Han calls the other. The other is the non-me, the person outside of me, the person truly outside of us. It is difference. It is non-same. Notice how Dracula is a foreigner. Notice how the wolfman came from out of town and trouble only arrived when he showed up to town. The mummy is from a foreign culture. The monster is a symbolic representation of our fear of the other. They come from beyond our echo chambers. They don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't hold to our cultural customs. We are biologically hardwired to be tribal and so encountering that which comes from outside of our tribe initiates senses of fear and senses of suspicion but with the wolfman and frankenstein in particular you'll notice that these monsters don't really want to be a threat and the treatment of them as a threat only initiates a fight or flight response from them in this case Most often, it's a fight. Perhaps there's something deeply Christian then, despite my own cultural upbringing, of a child coming to our door dressed as the other, dressed as a monster. Our fears of the other do not disappear though. In fact, if they disappeared, Han argues, that probably means they're not other. They're just the same as us. Differences engage fear, but I'm hopeful that some of the practices of Halloween can actually help us to engage with curiosity and wonder as well. Sometimes confronting the differences outside of us, the differences that we see in the other, reveals monstrous things in us. Han argues that we don't want to confront the other because we don't want to confront the pitfalls of our own achievement society. The never-ending quest for self-optimization that leads to depression, burnout, despair, and addictions to cope with our fears of failing. Like villagers armed with pitchforks and torches ready to kill Frankenstein, we can miss the monstrosity right there within us. Hopefully these monster stories and the act of blessing the monster who comes to our door can actually open us up to the transcendent good. The transcendent good which is both beyond us and right here with us. I think Halloween can open us up to God. I'm Paul Anlitner, and thanks for watching today's episode. If you love exploring religious ideas embedded in culture, the arts, philosophy, and science, I invite you to subscribe. Click the subscribe button below, but more importantly, I'd love to read your comments. This is a two-way dialogue, probably more than that with all of you watching. It does me no good if I just stand here and talk in front of the camera and I don't hear back from you. So please tell me, what are your thoughts on Halloween? Do you see it increasing in popularity? Is it simply like corporate greed or am I right? Is there something more going on that points to deeper religious ideas and philosophical ideas moving shifting and evolving in our culture i'd love to read your thoughts even if you're not a christian you come from some different context i enjoy reading them someone uh, last video uh, was uh a Hindu left me this really, really great, awesome comment, sharing his perspective on it. And I was deeply encouraged by it. So even if you don't have the same perspective as me, that's fine. I welcome all of your feedback in the comment section below. Thanks again for listening. If you're listening on the audio podcast, thanks for subscribing. And until next time, we'll talk again soon.